I'm Kerry Fink, and what a pleasure it is to welcome you to Kingdom Living, the podcast that's designed to help you reach your purpose. It's from the REPL Minute, which our uh, founder and CEO, Glenn REPL, has been doing since 2006. How are you today, Glenn? It's fantastic, and I'm just so pleased to have my friend George Cope here with us. Yeah, I really can't wait to get into this whole part of it, because this is so exciting. We're so... Um, thrilled to see the comments and the reaction and the engagement as the Kingdom Living series is moving out literally world worldwide and and uh, how uh, we're hearing back that the messages are helping people and blessing people. And Glenn, all this started off of uh, what you've been doing for years when you started the REPL Minute as a way to encourage and keep things moving. And then you took it a step farther with the book that God gave you called Fraud, what the uh, what God has to say about the tactics of the enemy. And so it's really become this, this effort to get people to understand uh, how to have what we've been talking about, that green line living, where we're living in, in, in the way that the Lord had originally created us for, to go. And as we keep going and growing with this, the Lord keeps opening wonderful doors. And I am so excited about our guest for today that you're going to introduce and bring into this. This conversation, you do not want to miss. It's your weapon for winning your battles. And Glenn, take it from there. It's so exciting. Oh, well, thank you, Carrie. This is, this is a, a real honor and a privilege because this, this is a dear friend, a brother in Christ, a, a mentor. Uh, we've traveled together, uh, teaching together uh, around the country, and God just used uh, used uh, through us, just it's been beautiful just to watch and travel with them. Uh, and and George, this is Dr. George Cope, uh, and I, I could just go on the whole show just talking about him because uh, he's just been such a great uh, blessing to me uh, and an encouragement. But he comes with uh, uh, a generational blessing uh, with with his parents and and grandparents before him, and and I've got to know uh, his his. Uh, his, his daughter works and son-in-law uh, works in, in our business. And uh, uh, it's just really what a blessing. But he comes with a, a background, having worked in, in an inner city church in Chicago. Uh, and most recently uh, uh, was with Calvary Assembly uh, here in Winter Park, one of the mega churches. And he stepped out of there uh, with an Abrahamic call on his heart, not knowing where he was going to go, but he answered the calling uh, to go with Vision Orlando. And then out of that, uh, accepting that calling uh, with Vision Orlando, which is really supporting other ministries here locally and around the world, but he's able to bring all the other pastors together here in Orlando, where he, uh, at which they weren't meeting together, so they didn't know each other. So uh, having been a mega church pastor, uh, they respected him, and he really has come under the faith movement here in our city, where, where the two mayors have come together and wanted him uh, to head up the faith movement and also the homeless initiative here. And so, and so through that, he's doing more now than he could with being in the building uh, where Russia asked him to come over uh, to deal with homelessness over there through open table and most recently just some of some of the things he and again having traveled with him uh, he says I'll go anywhere to spread the gospel and he has done that uh, where he's really been ministering in Kashan, uh, 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 in, in Congo, the Dominican Republic, the Dominican, 
uh, of Congo and, and just really having a major, major impact over there. And so, uh, and he, and we're a part of uh, uh, his teaching on Tuesday mornings that people can come in on the web and uh, at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time and be a part of a Bible study that he teaches. But what a man of God and just to know him personally and walk with him personally, it's what a privilege. And he gave a teaching to, to a, a group of us going through a, a small group uh, called a Christian Leadership Concept. And he did a, a teaching on your weapon for winning your battles. And so we just want to ask him in to share that uh, with a great teaching. And, and he's got so many. So, so please uh, welcome uh, uh, George Cope. And again, let me just add this one too, is he just told me this morning, and this is so beautiful because this is who he is. Someone just spoke to him uh, this Sunday and said that he's got the spirit of Caleb. And I really agree with that. That is just such, I, I call him Nehemiah George, but now I really see that he's got the spirit of Caleb working in him. He's, he's as young as he was, uh, as Caleb was, there's many more years left in him. And the voice that he speaks really is impacting nations. So let's welcome Dr. George Cope. Well, thank you, Glenn and Carrie. It's really an honor to be able to sit with you guys today. And, and just I commend you on the, the engagement that you've created through these podcasts and reaching through Facebook. And it is just a, a glorious privilege to be able to share the gospel of Christ. And so it's been my legacy. It was what I was born into. And it's what I will, if Jesus doesn't come and I die, uh, I'll die preaching this good word. And But I'm expecting him to return. So I look forward to, uh, to Jesus' return. The, uh, the subject matter uh, that I want to talk about today, I think, is relevant to really where the, the, every follower of Jesus is. I am, I am very um, aware because I travel nonstop in churches and in, in different genres and in listening to the communication of pastors and evangelists and prophetic voices and we hear a lot about Israel. We hear a lot about prayer. We hear a lot about faith. We hear a lot about uh, love and redemption. And all of that is good. It's all biblical. But one of the things that I noticed uh, over time is that we don't talk a lot uh, for Christians to understand the, the way that God has called us to defend ourselves in spiritual battles. In fact, what, what I have observed is that a lot of Christians engage in what we would call spiritual warfare, but if you don't know how to fight, you lose. In fact, um, I remember as a child standing, I, I've never been in a fist fight. So, you know, my dad would have, my dad would have really uh, had a heart attack as a pastor if I'd have ever engaged in that. But I remember standing with these two boys that were sort of playing in the, in the, in the playground in elementary school, they got into a skirmish and one boy hollered out to the other, you're fighting like a girl. And uh, I knew what that meant. You know, he was just sort of going like this, trying to fight the guy off where the other kids seemed to have, he, he understood a little bit more of what he was doing. Now, don't get me wrong. Any lady watching, I take a CrossFit class three days a week. My teacher is 52 years old. It's a woman. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't want to get in a skirmish with her. She can hit a punching bag like a heavyweight fighter. So women can fight. 
But the idea is that if you don't know how to fight, you're just going to sort of, you're, you're, you're going to flail around. And too many Christians do not know how to spiritually fight. We, we don't know what the Bible says. In fact, we don't even really believe that we're at times responsible. Now, there's a lot of scripture, and I understand the Bible tells us the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. I understand that, and, and that is true because God has already fought the battle, and the cross is victorious, but that being said, that doesn't mean that I don't have battles that I fight. I don't have struggles. I'm not, I'm not um, a person that is not engaging. In fact, let's just go to scripture, okay? So you guys got your Bible. I hope you have a pen and piece of paper because I'm going to give you a lot of things. But if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul, this very famous portion of scripture where Paul talks about the armor of God. In verse 12, it says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Notice he says, we're not, it's, we're fighting, but it's not flesh and blood that we're fighting, uh, but against evil rulers, against authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul doesn't deny we're in a fight, he, but he tells us what we're fighting, and what we're fighting is not man. I think a lot, of, a lot of people think that because man becomes the visual sort of representation of the opposition, we tend to think we're fighting men. We're not. Don't, don't, you're, you're not fighting against your, your kids that are in rebellion. You're not fighting against your wife who may, who may be resisting. You're, there, there is a spirit within that that we have to understand. And the enemy can use so many dynamics to create. And so if we're fighting men, we, we, we've missed the mark we don't understand. So what does Paul mean with that? And he goes on to give us some armor in the midst of that. But I, I just want to give a couple of more verses because, again, for anybody that is watching, you just need to understand the Bible is clear we're in a battle. In fact, it says in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So the idea Paul says to the, to the church in Thessalonica is when you're in these battles, God knows how to protect you. Uh, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I love this one. This is very familiar. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Hallelujah. Divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the battle, God has given to us the ability to know how to take authority and deal with the opposition coming with, to us. Um, one more, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind, Peter writes. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Resist him, 
resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Notice the, the, the steps here. Resist. You're, you're going to have to push back. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So this isn't American. This isn't Latin America. This isn't Africa. This is the world. Everyone around the world who is following Jesus has to understand they're in a battle. Okay, now that's foundation. You guys got that? So with that, let, let's move on into, into that. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to quickly, I could go through the armor, but I want to pull out one verse because there's only one weapon that Paul lists in the armor that we fight with. Everything else is defensive. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet with the gospel of peace, um, the shield of faith. Those are defensive. So, but we are given, and it says in verse 17, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, here, here's one of the things that um, really sort of gets me over time. Because I bet I pastored for 41 years. So I've listened to people. And I've heard people say, I know that. I know that. I, you know, I've heard that before. You're not the first preacher to ever say that. Well, listen, I'm not here to tell you that anything I've got is brand new revelation. Here's the problem. We don't know this book. And if we don't know this book, then anything new is beyond this book. And if we don't know this one, what's new needs to be left alone. Let's do this book, right? So but here's the problem. They know it, but do they know how to use it? And that is sort of the key here in the midst of it. So what I want to do is that I want to, I want to take that verse and I want to explain that verse, because if you don't understand the verse and the context and the culture and the, and the language, you miss the understanding. Then I would like to show you how Jesus practiced the verse. Okay. So then, then you'll begin to get application because I want everyone that's watching to be able, when this, when this is over, you're going to be able to go in and do warfare and you're going to do it the way Jesus did it. You're going to do it biblically. Does that make sense? Okay. So here we go. To fully understand uh, Paul's message regarding the power found in the sword of the spirit, you, we have to go into the Greek language throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll find the word sword on thousands of occasions. Um, David had a sword. Goliath had a sword, right? I mean, they took the sword. They fought. We had battles in, in it all. And, and so in the process, when we come to the word sword here, what most people would assume is that a sword is, you know, maybe 36 inches or four feet long, and it's got a big handle, and it's got two sides to it. And that's what they see when they say the word sword, they see this big sword. But that's not the word that the apostle Paul uses here. The difference is that he extracts a word that, that Jews and Gentiles alike, it wreaked fear in them. The word that Paul used for sword is the word machera. Machera. Machera was a, it was basically, we would know it, 
as a dagger. It was about 18 inches long. Um, it was not in the sheath that the Roman soldiers wore on the side. They had carried a longer sword in the sheath, more that they did mortal combat with in their hand. But this would have been one that they would have had a strap to their leg. It may have been under their breastplate. But when the machera was pulled by a Roman soldier, and everyone knew that Roman soldiers carried a machera, when the Roman soldier pulled the machera, that goosebumps hit people, hair stood up on the back of their neck, because the machera inflicted the most painful death possible. So here's the way they used it. Uh, when, when a Roman soldier got right up face to face, we're, we're doing, we're fighting, okay? When we were right in face to face, he would pull the machera, and when he got close enough, he would stab his victim in the stomach. And I don't mean to be graphic, but I got to go to where it's at. The sword was not straight. It had a crook in it and it was twisted at the end. So when the Roman soldier stuck it into a person, he would twist it. And when he pulled it out, it would grab a hold of the intestines of the person and pull it out. And they would die with their intestines exposed. So Paul says, we're not fighting with any sword. We're, we're fighting with a machera, the most dangerous weapon that man in the day of Paul could identify was a machera. Now, that changes context, doesn't it? That, that, that lets us know we're not just fighting with anything, that when the devil sees what we're fighting with, when man sees what we're fighting with, they ought to fear it. And, and so Paul says that, that we have the machera of the spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, wow. It's going to get better. So stay with me here in the process. All right. So, but just again, five different kinds of swords were known in the day, but machera is the word that the apostle Paul uses here. So when you use that word here, Paul is saying that God has given the church a powerful weapon that is both frightful and lethal and one that is able to slash demonic forces to shreds. Because remember, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. You guys have any questions or comments? All right, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I, you, you can interrupt me here because this, this is the meat of the word here in that process. So notice that Paul calls that the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me give you a better translation. Uh, the, the original translation from the Greek language would read like this. The sword from the spirit is the word of God. So the original translation is the sword from the spirit is the word of God. And it comes from the spirit because the spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one who inspires the writers of the scriptures to write what they did and to keep the Bible free from error. In fact, remember Paul said to Timothy that, um, that the, the scripture is, it is God breathed. So this is not Paul just coming up with an idea. This is the Holy Spirit that it inspired Paul to write and use the word machera so that the church would understand 
how powerful we can be in the conflicts, the battles that we deal with spiritually on a daily basis. So now with that as sort of foundation, let's go to the next reality for us here. Because notice that he says that the sword, the machera, is the word of God. In the Bible, there are two words, Greek words, for the capital W word, which would be scripture or God-breathed revelation. Two words. The general term for this book would be logos. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the logos. This is a general term for scripture. It is the revealed word of God to mankind. That's the way most people uh, understand the Bible. But there's a second word. And some people have heard this word. I know both of you men have. It's the word rhema. Rhema describes something spoken very clearly and vividly for, from God for a specific situation that is being faced in our life. It is a, it, it is logos that is being dealt with for a specific thing that you're dealing with in that moment. It's a quickened word from God. So I am dealing I'm dealing with a situation. I don't know, I don't know what I, how to deal with that. And the Lord speaks to me and gives me a song, takes me to a particular situation. I'll give you the example. Glenn made comment that I stepped away from the church. I resigned without any place to go, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was 62. Uh, it was one of those kind of moments when you just simply say, God, I know I've finished my task. You're directing my steps. So uh, the morning after I knew, I had not resigned. I told my wife. My wife sort of was a little on edge. But I, the next morning, I got up, and I, I got my Bible, and I have a specific way that I read every day. I read a portions of scripture, and I go through my Bible so that I can, re I can read it on a yearly basis and keep it fresh. So that particular morning, I picked up my Bible, but this time I didn't open it. I just had it like this, and I laid it in my lap, and I said, God, if, if I'm done at Calvary, then you've got to give me a word that I can hold to knowing that you have my future. So I sat there. I don't know how long it was. I could have sat there 10 minutes, 15. I just was meditating. And all of a sudden, it wasn't an audible. It was like a breath. It was like I heard Genesis 12.1. It just sort of came into my mind. I knew what it was, but I opened my Bible. And there the Lord said to it says that God says to Abraham, take Sarah, your wife, and leave this land. I'm going to take you to a land that you do not know. So the moment that I read that, the Holy Spirit said, this is your future. I'm taking you to a land. So after I announced to people that I was the church and I, it got out, people began, churches began to call saying, well, come pastor our church. And as I prayed, the Holy Spirit would say, you know that land. You've been a pastor there. You've been a pastor. You know that land. And then the job I wanted was to be a the uh, academic um, dean of a school of theology. 
I just, and I got the invitation and I did the interview and I knew that I had the job. And as I was driving out of town, I said to the Holy Spirit, what side of town am I going to live on where this university is? And when I got to the city limits, I looked at the sign and the Holy Spirit says, you know this land. But when I was invited to come to Vision Orlando, every time I prayed about Vision Orlando, the Holy Spirit said, you don't know this land. You don't know. I went with Vision Orlando. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. And I can tell you gentlemen, and I'll tell everyone that's listening, the greatest eight years of my life have been these eight years that I didn't know where I was going, but God did. See? So the key in all of this is, is that we need to understand when rhema words come, rhema words become the very essence of God in your situation. So you hang on to those words and know that God has a word for you. Now, here's the beauty of this. Jesus fought with rhema words. When Jesus fought the devil, he fought him hand to hand. He wasn't wrestling against flesh and blood. He wrestled exactly with the devil. And if you go to Luke's gospel chapter four, you'll see the story. So we'll turn over to Luke's gospel chapter four. And in this passage, we know that John, that John has baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. You can read it as we move in. And as soon as that happens, the Bible says that the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer. So a lot of people, listen to me, church, listen to me, friend. Just because you're in a battle doesn't mean God's not in it. The Spirit of God leads us. And if he's leading us appropriately, then we need to understand that the enemy is constantly warring against. He does not want you to be successful. He does not want you to succeed. He wants to defeat you. So if Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and to fight, then why should we feel that whenever we have to fight our spiritual battles, that somehow that God's abandoned us or forsaken us? You don't know your Bible. God will fight our battles, but he's given us the capacity to know how to fight ourselves. So he's not, he's not picking up the sword. He's given you the sword. He's given you the spiritual machera. He's given you the Holy Spirit's empowerment. He's given you the, the authority to be able to stand and fight your battle and win. He didn't call. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. He brought you this far to see you victorious. And if you're not victorious, it's not God's fault. Now, stay with me. I may have just stepped on a toe or two, but you stay with me, friend, okay? So, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights, hadn't eaten a thing, hasn't had anything to drink. And the devil comes to him, the Bible says, and we know what the devil always does. He, he takes the word and he begins to just move it around a little bit. And so, he knows Jesus is hungry. See, the devil knows what's going on in your life. That's why he uses people and situations and circumstances. He knows what's going on in your life. And notice that Satan comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, you haven't eaten anything for 40 days. Hey, here's a stone. Turn this bread or turn this stone into bread and eat. So 
what does the Bible say? It says it is written. There is the machera. He's going to give you the machera. The rhema word for that temptation was it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That was the, the rhema. Jesus fought, and what happens? The devil leaves. The, I mean, the de he doesn't go on tempting. Well, you know what? You, you quoted, but, but you're still hungry. Go ahead, turn this right. No, no, no. Jesus fought. He resisted the devil, and the devil could not take him any further. Okay, makes sense? Okay, so the devil comes back. And, the, and it says that the devil took him to a high mountain. And he said, let's Jesus, let's you and I do a 360. So we do a, they do a 360 and, and Satan says, everything you've seen when you did a 360, I'll give it to you if you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus responds, it is written machera rhema he says you must worship the lord your god and serve him only the word for the moment to overcome in that battle was clearly this you worship the lord i'm not going to worship you i know what the word says i'm going to fight you with the word notice what the devil does he doesn't stand there and argue with jesus Third time, he takes Jesus to the top of the temple, and he says to him at the top of the temple, you know what, Jesus? We're here at the top. Just throw yourself over the side, and you know that there are angels. Your father's got angels, and before you hit the bottom, angels will grab you, and they will hold you, and you will not die. And the third time, Jesus says, it is said, or it could be interpreted, it is written, you must not test the Lord your God. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what the Father had to say. He knew the Logos, and the Holy Spirit revealed the rhema in the midst of that moment. And here's just an, an aside. This is a, a whole nother teaching. But each of those three temptations are temptations of the spirit, of the soul, and of the body. So he was tested. He, we are spirit, according to Paul, in 2 Thessalonians 5, we are spirit, soul, and body. Satan went after Jesus' spirit when he asked him to bow. He went after his body when he asked him to turn a rock into bread. And he went after his soul when he questioned he questioned Jesus' authority about jumping and falling, the way he thought about himself. Well, I'll just prove to people that I am the son of God and I'll jump over. All three, he, he fights and he wins. And the Bible says after the third, the devil left him for a season. Notice he didn't leave him permanently because the greatest battle was the battle of the cross. But on the cross, Jesus goes understanding he is the fulfillment, the Messiah. He is the, the Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so they didn't kill Jesus. He gave his life.
He won that battle. And then the Bible says in Revelation that he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is victorious. Hallelujah. And that's the power of the truth. If you guys don't stop me, I'm going to keep going. All right. All right. So now you see how we fight. We fight with the rhema word, machera of the word. That's how Jesus fought. Well, if that's how Jesus fought, then we must do the same. Now, there's one more thought, and then I'm going to, I'll bring some, some application and conclusion here. Um, there, there is one more component to the weapon that the sword of the spirit that we need to know. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter four in verse 12 makes this statement about the sword of the spirit. He says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a two edged sword cutting between the soul and the spirit and between joint and marrow. It expresses our innermost thoughts and desires. It's interesting. Now he's talking about the logos there. All right. So you might say, okay, George, well, what's the significance of this two-edged sword that's referred to here? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to give you the answer to that. All right. If you start looking, you'll find this phrase regarding two-edged sword. Uh, it appears throughout the New Testament. So it must be a pretty important uh, instrument, weapon, if it's always spoken of two-edged sword. Let me give you a, for instance, um, the apostle John, uh, when he is on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation 1, verse 16, he sees Jesus in that, and, and he says of Jesus, he had seven stars in his hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And his face was like the sun and its brilliance. So when John sees the, 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 the Jesus of Revelation, the Messiah in heaven, he sees a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. In Revelation 19 and verse 15, it says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Uh, Revelation 19 is the last battle. It's where Jesus takes on Lucifer, he takes on all of the armies of the world that have come for one last battle. And the Bible says that the way Jesus fought was not with warheads, atomic bombs. He didn't use swords. It says a sword came out of his mouth and he defeated the enemy with that. So, what does that mean? A two-edged sword came out of Jesus' mouth. Why would Jesus have a sword in his mouth? Shouldn't the sword have been in his hand? The phrase two-edged sword is taken from a Greek word, and it is diastomos, diastomos, D-I-S-T-O-M-O-S, diastomos. And diastomos has two parts. Di, D-I, means two. And stomos means one's mouth. It's translated into one word in the Greek. Now, we've never, I'd never heard this before I did my study. Two-edged sword is translated in the Greek, two mouths, two mouths. 
okay? It's important. Two mouths. Why would the Bible refer to God's word repeatedly as two mouths, a two-edged sword, two-mouth sword? Have, uh, I'll ask a question. Have you ever been praying about a situation and suddenly the Bible verse concerning that rises up within you? And at that moment, you are consciously aware that God has given you your rhema word to stand on and to claim in your situation. You received a word in your spirit right out of the mouth of God. So let me remind you. The only thing God ever created with his hand was Adam and Eve. The Bible says in Genesis 1, everything God created, he spoke it into existence. So the power of God is in the spoken word. When God speaks, then it's bigger than E.F. Hutton. For those of us old enough to remember that, that little uh, that commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Well, when God speaks, everybody, including Satan, listens. And so it says that God spoke and everything existed. You and I were created by God. So you receive a word from God's mouth. That word from God is so sharp that it cuts right through your questions and natural logic and lodges itself deep within your heart. Meditating on that rhema word from God begins to release the power inside of you. And everything within you wanted to declare that God has said, you wanted to say it, you wanted to release it with your mouth. And when you did, those words. So God has said it, but when you speak the words that God has given to you, it sends forth this mighty blade to drive back the forces of hell that have positioned themselves against you, your family, your business, your ministry, your finances, your relationships, or your mind. The first thing, the word came from the mouth of God. The second, the double edge of the sword must come out of your mouth. So when it comes out of our mouth, it becomes the double-edged sword. It's already come out of God's mouth. We've got it. This is God's mouth. When it comes out of our mouth, it's double-edged, and it becomes the weapon that destroys the enemy. So all of that to bring us to this. If you don't, if you're not winning your battles, it's because you don't know that you've got a weapon that causes the devil to tremble. It's a machera, and it is the rhema word of God. It's the logos with the revelation of the Holy Spirit giving you a specific word. And then when you've seen Jesus fight this way and he won the battle, then you ought to be assured that if Jesus fought this way, I better fight this way. But then when God has said it and you begin to declare it, and here's where Christians get, well, we speak the word and it doesn't happen. We speak the word that it doesn't happen. We speak the word that, hey, listen, what you see only declares that you're only looking with natural eyes. Spiritual people see with, un, with unnatural, with the spirit eyes. We hear with spiritual ears. We, our faith is in strong in the Lord. And when we know this is God's word and he's spoken to us, what we have to do is stand on the word. It's God's word. It's God's reputation. It's not yours or mine. It's God's reputation. 
He will fight your battle when you fight his way. And then we can rest in the fact that greater is he then that is in us than he that is in the world. See, Because now it's the logos in us, the rhema coming out of us. It's his word and our mouth speaking together that makes it the double-edged sword that the Romans scared the wits out of people with, but God scares the wits out of the devil when we fight with the rhema word of God. So for everyone that has been listening and following, listen, my brothers and sisters, this isn't just a good academic teaching today. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. It's reminding us everything we need for life on this planet has been given to us in the Logos. And if we don't know it, it then we're going to fight like girls. But when we know it, we can fight like warriors. We can be the David that runs after Goliath because David knew that his God was bigger than Goliath. We've got to know that. And when we know that, then the victory is ours because Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He has conquered the devil. The devil is a toothless lion. He may roar. He may, he may fight and do his best. But my friend, the power of God is available to you and you need to exercise it. So begin to speak what God has said over your situations and your battles. You'll win because God has given us the weapon to win every single battle. George, awesome, my brother. That's great. That is just so good. And that's, and that's what's so neat about having this. Uh, this is a treasure chest, George. This, this is just awesome. Uh, I, I just know this is going to be passed on and shared with, uh, with other people because this, this is because we don't really recognize the power, the machete uh, that we've got, the power of words. And one of the things I've been speaking and we've done this in some of the podcasts is, is just when we confess with our mouth yes. that Jesus is Lord. There's just power that comes with it and believe in our heart that God raised him. The resurrected Christ lives in us. Uh, there's just power just speaking that. And so, George, thank you. Uh, this just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, message that we know that word will not return for but just remember that the power of life and death, Solomon says, is in the tongue, right? Yes. And so what we're, we're and how many times have we heard people say, I, I'll, I'll never, I'll never get the Vicky. I'll, you know, it, it just seems like it's never going to come. It's never. Well, we're speaking the very uh, thing that the yeah. devil wants us to speak. Yeah. We've yeah. got to begin to speak that his word is true. And, and that's what I encourage each of us. I have to do it. That's how I have learned to fight. And we all have to do that. So thank you. It was my privilege to share it. And I trust that it will go and feed lots of people's lives. It will. It will. What a, what a powerful, what a powerful word. You know, uh, George, as you were teaching that, <clears throat> that was literally kept coming up over for me uh, over and over was that, you know, the Bible instructs us the power of life and death is in the tongue. And that seems so, um, maybe almost obvious on one level, but then the Bible comes back and reminds us 
choose life. And, and so it just speaks to that. And then the other thing that came up for me was I was here, I remember a um, pastor friend of mine had some t-shirts made up and it was kind of a provocative title that he put on it. He said, he said, this is not your fight. That's all it said on the front. And then on the back, of course, it backed it up with scripture. But the point is that, that when we operate at that kingdom yeah. living kind of level where we recognize our positionality and we're not afraid to speak it out, that's where the real power is. And that's why I think um, through the Kingdom Living series, you know, as Glenn teaches week to week, and uh, we have the opportunity to, to, to gain new insights when, when you bring such a powerful word as that, you know, this is all about reminding us of our relationship with the Lord and that Kingdom Living is really the way we were created to be, but we have to, we have to, uh, have that fight where you say, no devil, read your Bible, and we already know how it ends, and we know where we are. And so again, thank you for sharing that today. As we wrap up today, I'm going to ask um, Glenn if you'll pray us out, but just before we finish up today's episode, I want to remind you, especially if you're new to the series, that every one of the Kingdom Living episodes is available to you at therepleminute.com. And what we encourage you to do is go back and check out some of those foundational teachings that Glenn has, has, has presented, uh, things like the three greatest historical events. Because once you start to get an understanding of the world that God created, and then you understand how those historical events play into this, then you're set up to understand green line, red line living. And so what you were teaching today uh, was that we have to recall our position and we have to speak it out using that double-edged sword. So again, the website that I want to share is therepleminute.com. It is full of resources. It's got the entire Kingdom Living series available to you. It's got uh, Glenn's daily Repl Minute. You can go right there, have it delivered to your inbox every Monday through Friday. It also has the complete fraud series there and information on how you can pick up your own copy of this book makes a great Bible study. But I am just encouraged and excited about how God keeps expanding uh, and the caliber of teaching that comes into this plan. It's just phenomenal. Well, George, we just so appreciate you. And uh, uh, he just, oh, you, you can hear, you can just hear it. It just oozes out of him. And uh, so so thank you so much. And let's, let's just uh, give... Give God the glory. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for loving us, accepting us. And Father, just this declaration of your word does not return void, that life and death is in the power of your word, our tongue, our mouth. It is a double-edged sword, your word coming out through our mouths. And we just do declare that you are king you are lord and father you have given us dominion over this earth to rule and reign to bring your kingdom of god here to earth to live through your children we are your children we've been recreated back into your image of love and we have life everlasting living in us now we can enjoy heaven coming to earth to live in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We just thank you that this message will not return void. We just thank you. We just praise you in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us on this special edition of Kingdom Living. And please, if this message has impacted you, share this wherever you are around the world. Just send that link over to somebody. You will encourage them to no end, and it will be so, so valuable. So until next time, thanks for joining us for Kingdom Living. God bless you.